This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking with Paul Contino, Vice President for Information Technology at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Can you please briefly describe the size and scope of the medical center? Mount Sinai is a major academic medical center located in the Upper East Side of Manhattan in New York City. We're an 1,171-bed uh, tertiary care facility. We also have a smaller sister hospital in, in the borough of Queens, uh, a little over two miles away. It's a 235-bed facility. Mount Sinai is considered one of the, uh, the nation's oldest, largest, and most respected hospitals in the country. We have a top-rated medical school and a top-rated graduate school. And we maintain a patient database of roughly 3.7 million records. So it's a very large facility. I understand Mount Sinai is using smart cards for patient identity cards. What was the main motivation for using smart cards for that purpose, and was there a particular problem you were trying to solve? Yeah, well, Mount Sinai started its uh, smart card journey back in 2004, probably long before the emergence of you know the health information exchanges and the Rios that are have been cropping up around the country, and, and well before the, the national push for EHRs and the national health infrastructure. Uh, we, we saw this technology as a means of providing our patients with a, a portable and secure medical summary, you know, one that could be easily updated and one that would allow our patients to have access and control over the information on the card. Uh, one of our key goals of the Smart Card program was to facilitate the, the accurate identification of patients when they came into our facilities. But the larger goal was sort of to create a, uh, a health information network with, uh, with Smart Cards, one where the, the cards themselves be- became the network. Uh, we've been de-emphasizing that initiative uh, given everything that's going on with healthcare right now and everybody trying to push for sort of the wired networks. Uh, but, you know, our, our focus has been to, to build the internal business case um, with the intent of showing how smart card technology uh, could be used to support, say, an HIE or national health infrastructure down the road. Uh, at present, we're, we're in the midst of probably one of the largest smart card deployments in healthcare. Uh, over the next 18 to 24 months, we're, we're, we're going to be deploying over 100,000 smart cards to our patients. So it's a, it's a pretty, pretty large program. How many patients have the cards now? Uh, there's about 10,000 patients with the cards, uh, but we're, we're transitioning from one version of our software and cards to a, to a new version. So we'll be replacing a lot of those cards with the, with the new cards. Early on, did you consider other forms of authentication, or did the smart cards fit because of this notion of trying to create a network? Well, I mean, we did look at other other you know types of, of authentication methods. I mean, including you know fingerprints and iris scanners and you know everything that's out there. Uh, but we found that you know the smart cards are a familiar form factor for patients. You know, very similar to credit cards and debit cards that they hold in their wallets. The challenge with with biometrics and iris scanners is that they're somewhat intimidating the patients, and there's you know there's a lot of fears, warranted or otherwise, that you know, the biometrics could be you know misused or wind up in some central database, and you know the government using it to to track them or whatever. So we we did find in terms of our our, our patient surveys that, that the patients were comfortable with a card that they owned and controlled. So we stuck with the smart card. Please explain to us a little bit about how patients actually use the card. Well, we're issuing the, the cards to, to patients as they come into our facility. It's a voluntary program. Um, we we actually use it as an identity card. So we do ask for some vetting of, of their identity. They come in with a you know either a, a photo ID, a driver's license, utility bills, whatever, so that we can actually vet their identity. 
Uh, if they don't have those those credentials with them, we ask them the next time they come in to give us that information, and then we issue the card. The, the health cards themselves are, are printed with the patient's full color photo, has their first and last name on the card, as well as their, their medical record number. And so when they present these cards at the registration desk, it allows the registrars to positively identify the patient in front of them and then call up and verify their demographic, insurance information, and and then finally, one of the most important parts is that using the medical record number, we're able to link the patient to any of the medical records that we have on file for them. We also um, update the card at the end of the care visit, so the patient walks away with an updated health summary on their card, and the patient um, must punch in their, their private PIN number to unlock information that's stored on the, on the chip, so that's another level of, of verification that we do that the patient in front of us is who they say. How can smart cards reduce the incidence of medical identity theft and help prevent fraud and abuse? Well, again, the card serves as a trusted identity token. So the card, together with the patient's private PIN number, provides us with two-factor authentication, you know, something you have, something you know in the security sector. Um, and and you know, with the addition of the photograph on the face of the card, we have very good assurance that the patient in front of us is who they say they are. Now, this is a very straightforward use of the card that can greatly reduce the incidence of medical identity theft and fraud. Do you think the cards ultimately could improve data integrity and the accuracy of the data as well as reduce medical errors? Yeah, the, the cards can definitely improve data accuracy um, by eliminating a lot of the human error that's associated with the registration process, uh, both from the patient and from the front desk side. Uh, from the patient, you know, we're often asking them to fill out all sorts of forms and remember lots of information. Now with the card, they can review the information with the registrar uh, who can ask them very simple questions and verify the information. Uh, for the registrars and the front desk clerks, um, the health card makes the process of identifying the patient and unambiguously linking the patient to the medical records quite trivial. Uh, without the card, uh, this process is often a source of medical record errors, either from creating duplicate medical records or, even worse, overlaying two patients' records with, say, similar names or, or demographics. Uh, and that can cause some, some serious patient safety issues. You know, we see the cards uh, helping to reduce medical record maintenance costs uh, associated with the cleanup process that, that often has to occur on the back end because of the, the duplicate or overlaid records. It's also a way of improving the data integrity and accuracy, which most people don't realize has an effect on the downstream billing and claims process. Uh, so, you know, we we see that there's a, a strong tie between what happens at the front desk with the registration process and the downstream billing process and how that can affect your revenue cycle. Tell us a little more about how you envision patient smart cards being used across a network of provider organizations to enhance information security and support high-tech act compliance. We see the smart cards as being a great way to uniquely identify patients throughout the healthcare system, not not just at our facility, but but across networks of hospitals, clinics and other care providers. But, you know, by having an identity credential that the patient owns and carries with them, we now have a highly secure way of identifying and linking the patient medical records across different care settings and across different facilities. You know, we see this as a model that um, I think would work very well uh, on a regional, state, or even a national level. Uh, the, the patient provide, providing their smart card and entering their private PIN can also serve as an affirmative consent for access to their medical records, uh, which is, you know, a fairly difficult and thorny issue that a lot of the states are trying to work out now is how to do patient consent. Um, the consent and the access of information can be logged on the card, and the patient can have a record of all the data exchanges that have occurred. And, you know, with regards to um, 
regulations, um, you know, high tech now makes it a mandatory point that the patient has the right to a full counting of disclosures. And, you know, HIPAA and JCO and many other regula- regulatory compliance issues can be nicely dealt with by, by having a smart card credential to identify the patient. So far we've been talking about patient authentication. What about uh, authentication of physicians and nurses accessing your clinical information systems? How are you handling that now and how might that approach evolve? Like most institutions, you know, we, we issue our, our staff, you know, our doctors or nurses, ID cards for physical access and network logins for computer and, and system access. But, you know, as we look at the growing security needs in healthcare, we're, we're evaluating technologies like smart cards and biometrics and, and even RFIDs for both patients and providers. And I think, you know, over the next couple of years, we'll be making um, some, some further decisions about what we're going to do with our, our providers. I mean, right now we're dealing with patients, but uh, I, I think we're going to wind up coming up with some sort of an identity credential for uh, logical and physical access inside of our four walls. Why did you decide to tackle the uh, patient issue before the clinician issue? There was a definite need for patient identification. Um, it, we, we know our employees pretty well. I mean, obviously, you know, as an employer, when we hire somebody, you know, we do a background check and screening, and we issue our credentials. So we have a pretty high assurance of, of who those people are and their roles and rights within the institution. Uh, both from a physical and logical access perspective. Patients, um, it, it's a lot looser. When you think about, you know, the uh, the environment of a hospital, we're not a high-security environment. We're not like a government agency where, you know, there's a security desk and you have to clear your, you know, your access through a uh, central office and, you know, there's, there's people with, uh, you know, with guns armed, armed and, you know, guarding the doors. That's not our major intent here. It's to, to give people health care. But we do see an issue with proper, having proper patient identification. So we wanted to address that issue. And with the growing incidence of fraud and abuse in healthcare, as well as our internal business case for um, wanting proper patient identification to improve our medical records process, we saw this as a, as a great opportunity to use the technology. Finally, what advice would you give to other organizations weighing their options for authenticating the identity of patients and clinicians? And well, my advice would be to do very small controlled pilots with, you know, representative groups to, to carefully evaluate how the technology will integrate and hopefully enhance your existing processes and workflow. I mean, there, there's countless examples of great technology that has just been a blunder because it wasn't properly implemented. And, you know, I, I think you need to, to evaluate your particular process and work with the people who are going to use the technology and make sure that they're comfortable with how this changes what they do. Thanks very much, Paul. We've been talking today with Paul Contino of Mount Sinai Medical Center. This is Howard Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.